continue our short little sermon series on devoted prayers. We talked first to you about they continued in the apostles' teaching, and then the fellowship. Y'all can come come with me now. Fellowship to the breaking of and to the that's where we are this morning to the prayers. I was 16 years old and a rising senior in high school when my dad received orders to go to Vietnam for a year. And that meant that my mom and my sister and I returned to Jacksonville, Florida, which was my folks' hometown. We returned at a time in my life when I had absolutely no use for anything having to do with religion. But my mom is a force to be reckoned with. <laughs> Y'all know her. <laughs> Uh, there was a, a young clergyman who used to come over to the house and invite me to their youth group, this local Episcopal church not too far away, and, and I steadfastly had homework to do every Sunday evening when he'd come over. Except for this one evening, he came over and invited me, and before I could get out of my mouth, my response, my mom said, he's already done his homework, he'd be glad to go. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> So I did the typical teenage being forced to go to a youth group he didn't want to go to response. I went, crossed my arms, crossed my legs in that teenage attitude that says, do not mess with me. I don't want to be here. Leave me alone. That attitude lasted right up until this really cute girl walked in a room. <laughs> and uh, within about five seconds, I had memorized pretty much every one of her physical attributes, I have to tell you that. <laughs> and during the course of the meeting, I made it a point to go and introduce myself to her in that sort of fumbling teenage way you do those things. And, and I found out that her name was Claudia. And, and, uh, and by the time we finished the meeting, I had resolved in my own inner spirit that I was going to find out everything I could about this girl. Blessedly, that's what school is for. Have you noticed that? She has friends of my friends that had their friends that we connected somehow. And, and I asked the friends of my friends that knew her all I could think of about her. Where was she from? How long has she been here? What's her age? And, 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 and I went through all those things. And, um, and of course, the most important question of all, is she going with anybody? <laughs> Within the end of a week, I had put together a profile on Claudia that would make eHarmony or Christian Mingle members envious. <laughs> but here's the deal. While I had come to know all about Claudia, I discovered, of course, that it would take a very long time before I came to know her because there's a difference. Relationships, you see, are are never built solely on information. They're built on communication. And communication takes time and energy and intimacy and honesty. Claudia and I dated for five years, got married. We've been married almost 47 now. And I still marvel at how much there is about this complex, mysterious woman I have hooked my life up with that I have yet to learn. I bring all this up because 
relationships are relationships are relationships, whether they're between two human beings or between a human being and God. They have very much the same dynamics. Relationships, even with our God, are not simply built on information. They're built on communication. And I doubt many Christians, frankly, would say otherwise. In Luke's description of the first believers, he declares that conversation with God is going to be one of the hallmarks of the Christian walk. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. Exactly. Conversations with God. Of course, these characteristics would then spill out as believers fulfill the Great Commission by going into all the world and sharing about a Lord they had come to personally know. That's what caught people's attention, not the information. And the question before us this morning, of course, is, are we devoted to prayer? Is one of the hallmarks of our life as followers of Jesus praying to him? Do we as individuals really know Jesus or have we been content to just know a lot about him? I'd like to turn back to a relationship model that most of us have experienced. The first stages of a love relationship. You know what those first stages of a love relationship are? It's when your pituitary gland produces a hormone called oxytocin. And the scientists will tell you that oxytocin is the drug that provides a major role in social bonding. Translation, your hormones go crazy. <laughs> and uh, the next thing you know, you find yourself being absolutely distracted by the object of your affection. Every time you're not doing something that absolutely takes all your focus, you just drift to the one. To the one. To the one. You know, and, and your mind just goes all kinds of wonderful places, and, and you simply can't get enough of that one you have fallen in love with. You want to spend every minute of every day with him or her, and your trust level builds as you begin to exchange more and more who you are with the other, and they begin to exchange more and more of who they are with you. But, it's always a but, you know, it's every time everything's going great, here comes the but. You're doing a great job at work, but, <sighs> but here's what happens in a relationship that's, that's new and blossoming. Eventually, first blushes wear off. Your body flat out can't keep on forever giving you an oxytocin high. And this is precisely where lots of couples begin to have difficulties. They may continue to spend a lot of time together. They may even do lots of things together. But they, they find that less and less do they talk to one another about the deep things of their hearts. Instead, the conversations begin to take on more and more the form of information exchange, the weather your schedule, 
how the kids did today in school, what kind of money issues you have coming up, what's the latest thing you need to buy. You know the drill. And when that happens, when that happens, couples cease to grow towards one another, and one of two things happen. They either enter into that kind of a stasis that we see in so many couples, or they begin, frankly, to grow apart. And, and all of us have seen it. Some of us have experienced it ourselves. Uh, the kind of, of couple that really has turned into roommates, they, they learn how to live with each other, but they're not really with each other. They're married, but they're not really one flesh anymore. Without continuing to do the hard and deliberate work of sharing the things of the heart with one another, it's our destiny in a relationship, whether it's with another human being or whether it's with our God. There are a few things more fun than watching a person fall in love with Jesus. It's so exciting. They, they, they bump into him really for the first time. They fall head over heels with him. The oxytocin kicks in. They're bonding with Jesus, and you can't get enough of him. Uh, the scripture comes alive for you. It is a living word. It jumps right off the page into your heart and changes you around. And... Uh, and, and all those kinds of things are going on. The worship can't last long enough. Talking things over with the Lord seems the very natural thing you do. It makes perfect sense to talk things over with the one you love. But the cares and occupations of life press in. The oxytocin quits flowing. Worship comes predictable. Prayer tends to move in the direction of informing God about things rather than sharing our hearts with him. And our relationship with him either slips into stasis or we find ourselves drifting away from him. It's not a new problem. When God was talking things over with the Apostle John, he revealed this about the church in Ephesus. We find it in Revelations chapter 2. He says to them, I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my namesake, and you've not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. And what are the works they were doing at first? They were continuing in the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and significantly praying. They were talking everything over with the Lord before they let the fire burn dim. So what's the biblical prescription for rebuilding a relationship? Remember how your love used to feel. To get it back, you have to do the same work you did to build that relationship in the first place. And the principal work of building that relationship in the first place is you got to be talking things over. Let me tell you a story about a man who figured this out. His name was Nicholas Herman. 
born to peasant parents in Lorraine, France in 1611. No education. But when he was 18, he had a strange encounter with the Lord. It changed everything for him. And as lovers often do, the thing that caused the encounter was odd by all measurements. He was walking along in the winter of his 18th birthday, and he happened upon a tree that was leafless. It's winter. And as he stared at the tree for a while, he was suddenly overwhelmed by the reality that spring was coming and that there would be a renewal and a restoration. And, and as he pondered that, the Lord just fell on him and he fell passionately in love with Jesus. But there was a 30 years war going on in Germany. And he got caught up in it as a soldier. It was a terrible war by all accounts. It was a war that, that showed him how cheap life had become. There were, in this war, almost no distinctions between soldiers and civilians. And over the course of that 30 years' war, they slaughtered almost half of the men, women, and children in Germany. Almost half. The population disappeared. In the midst of that war, he found himself wounded so severely in the leg that it had stopped soldiering, returned home, and he carried with him a limp that would bother him the rest of his life. Having fallen in love with Jesus some years ago, he decided to adopt the life of a hermit. I'll just be one-on-one, -on -one, just me and the Lord. It'll be great. And well, he tried that, and he was an ultimate failure at it. And, and finally, he paid attention to an uncle of his that said, why don't you try and see if the Carmelite order in Paris would accept you. He thought about that for a while, and he said, okay. So he, he went and he applied. Well, he didn't have enough education to be ordained. But they did receive him at the age of 40 as a lay brother. And when they received him, he took on the name Lawrence of the Resurrection and was known to all of the others in the monastery as Brother Lawrence. Interestingly enough, he never held an office that mattered. He was so unimportant that the church never bothered to keep any records of, of any matter of his life. But there was something about him that was absolutely unique. He had discovered in his walk as this Carmelite brother what he called how to practice the presence of God. And it meant that the Lord was always with him. He just knew it. And he carried on conversations with him all day long. And it was so unique and so wonderful that people heard about it, and pretty soon people from all over Europe were coming because they wanted what he had. He once shared this with a friend. He says, I engage in a religious life only for the love of God, and I have endeavored to act only for him. Whatever becomes of me, I be lost or saved. I will always continue to act purely for the love of God. I shall have this good at least, that till death I shall have done all that is in me to love him. St. John, in his letters, put it very simply. We love because he first loved us. 
Exactly. Well, think about that. Jesus not only loved us when he walked on the earth, but he loves us still. And Jesus doesn't simply love us from heaven. He loves us from right where we are. Remember at the ascension, he makes his promise. I will be with you sometimes. Oh, God, don't sit there and just look at me like you're limp dish rags. I will be with you. Exactly. Exactly. I, I will not just be with you in the good times or in the hard times. I'm going to be with you all the time, the good times and the hard times and all the times in between. And not only am I going to be with you, I'm going to love you. I'm going to love you like I've always loved you. What that means, of course, is it is in the sanctuary right here, right here. We have eyes to see. It means he's going to be with you in the car when you drive home, right beside you. Or when you bend your backs to whatever work you're doing. Or when you're dealing with your kids. Or when you're working in the kitchen. Which, by the way, was Brother Lawrence's only task. He worked the kitchen. And if he's right here with us, then we can figuratively, in our mind's eye, see the mark of the nail in his hands and his feet and the wound caused by the spear in his side. And we can hear him say with those spiritual ears, I love you this much. And if that's the case, and he's right here, then doesn't it make sense that we just want to love him back? So how did Brother Lawrence demonstrate his love for the Lord most clearly? He says, you talk to him. <laughs> you talk to him. That's not rocket science. If you want a relationship with the Lord, you talk things over with him. He says this, everyone can converse closely with God. Some more, others less. He knows what we can do. Let us begin then. Perhaps he's just waiting for one generous resolution on our part. Let us be brave. Have you made the resolution? Do you need to remake a resolution? Sometimes we get all wound around the axle about what kind of prayer we should, we should utter. Should it be formal or spontaneous? Should it be adoration, or confession, or petition, or thanksgiving, or intercession? Should it be spoken aloud, or from the silence of our hearts? Should it be that we're free to express frustration, or what happens if we get angry? We can get so caught up in worrying about how we're supposed to pray that we forget to pray. So let me make two observations. The first is that no two relationships are the same. Your relationship with the Lord is not going to be the same as your best friend's relationship with the Lord. This is not. We're not wired the same. 
Some of us are loud. Some of us are quiet. Some of us are wordy, and some of us are much more circumspect. Some like our words to be accompanied by lots of action, and some like our words to be accompanied by kind of a stillness. Our relationships with others reflect that, and our relationship with the Lord is going to reflect the same kind of dynamic because we bring who we are into it. And a second observation, even within a single relationship, things change. Our language changes. When I was a single, I had my single language. Guys, you know what I'm talking about. You have a single language, guys. You know, the guys in the gym language kind of language. It's a single guy's language. I got married. You don't use single marriage, you know, single language in a marriage, but once, maybe. Okay? <laughs> so, you, so you develop your own way of communicating with your bride or your husband. And then you have kids. Language changes. Changes on a dime. I, when I was in seminary, Claudia and I had not had any babies yet, but some of my classmates went and did the deed and had babies, okay? And, and I remember we had conversations about they have gone weird on us. All they talk about is, you know, babies. Babies, those are little things, you know, with the little arms sticking out of them. And those are babies. They had their own little baby language in the years past. And, and Claudia now are in, in older years. And, and the cadence of our life is different. And our language reflects that. It's the same with the Lord, isn't it? It's the same with the Lord. But in every instance, whether you're single or married or, or whatever you are, whatever circumstance you find yourself in, if there's going to be a deepening relationship, couples have to learn to speak with each other from the heart, to share everything as each one of the relationship individuals entrust themselves wholly to the other. And isn't that what prayer is about? There's not a set kind of a way of praying. It comes out of a living relationship with the Lord, of sharing everything honestly with the Lord who is standing right beside us all the time, sharing the good times and the hard times and the times in between with us, and who loves us no matter what. We forget that sometimes. He loves us no matter what. When we pray to him, the Lord who's standing with us, going through everything right by our side, who loves us no matter what, it means that we can expect that he's going to rejoice with us in our triumphs. He's going to grieve with us in our tragedies. He's going to forgive us following our confession from sin. He's going to stand with us through our trials. He's always going to be there. And as it is essential in all relationships, we also not only have to be speaking at him, but we have got to be listening to him. If you're smart in a relationship, you spend a lot of time listening to your beloved. We need to do the same with the Lord. The Lord does speak to you, you know. A lot of times he comes in the scripture. That's a living word, rightly, aptly named. And the living word can jump right off the page into your heart and change you in the hearing. <laughs> Sometimes he can speak so loudly he can knock you to the ground. Ask St. Paul. A lot of times, though, he will come like Elijah experienced as a still, 
small voice, a whisper that you can only hear with spiritual ears. The good news is, the more you practice listening with spiritual ears, the better your hearing is going to get. When Luke describes one of the marks of the early church as prayer, it's important to understand that he didn't simply mean your own personal private prayer, but in addition, he would talk about the importance of corporate prayer. Right on the heels of his description in this morning's lesson, Luke reports, they were all together. They were all in the temple, daily, together. What do you think they were doing together? They were praying together. Why? Because the Lord meant it when he said, whenever two or three are gathered together in my name, there am I among them. The early church had no concept of the idea of the rugged individual Christian doing his or her thing apart from the rest of the community. They had no concept of that. That's a thoroughly modern Western invention. And if you are finding yourself tempted to move into that I've got my Bible, I've got Jesus, and I'm good to go all by myself. Snap out of it, you'd be wrong. You need that personal prayer time. But God expects us to be part of a worshiping community where we all gather together, where he listens to the prayers of his people. He modeled that for us when he chose the Hebrews. Out of all the nations in the world, he chose a bunch of ragged nomads, and he said, I'm going to make you mine. And he formed and fashioned them into a community that prayed together as well as individually. Jesus modeled the same thing for us. When out of all the people that were following him, he chose 12. And he decided to invest himself in making a community out of them that prayed together. Because God honors the prayers of his people people. I'd like to leave you with a quote from Brother Lawrence. I love this quote. You would think it rude to leave a friend alone who had come to visit you. Why then must God be neglected? <laughs> Do not forget him. Think often of him. Adore him unceasingly. Live and die with him. This is the glorious employment of a Christian. In a word, this is our profession. If we do not know it, we must learn it. Indeed. They continued in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, breaking of bread, and the prayers. Let's pray. God, Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us always. Thank you for loving us first and loving us so powerfully that you woo us into a relationship with you. Oh, Lord, do not let us allow that relationship 
to get stale. Instead, let us resolve to do the hard work of taking time and energy and investing honesty in a relationship with you where we practice day by day sharing the deep desires of our hearts and listening for you.